Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. And this week, I'm here with Jennifer Allwood, my new friend, chatting about her latest book, Fear is Not the Boss of You. Guys, I cannot recommend this book highly enough, and you're going to hear all about it in today's conversation. But I just think this conversation is super timely. I personally have benefited from this book so much, and I cannot wait for us to share about how fear has impacted our lives and how we've overcome it. I can't wait to hear your feedback on this episode. But for now, I just want to dive in. So let's get to it. Kelsey, how are you? Good. I am so excited to have you on today. I have been deep in your book and it has been such a bright spot in this wild time we're living in. And so I'm so excited to chat today. Thank you. Yeah, these are, it's like the wild, wild west right now, isn't it? <laughs> it is. We're it all is. living in, yeah. Um, well, I would love for you to start by sharing your story, introducing yourself, because I've heard your story, but I'm so excited for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better and to hear everything you've done over the past few years and the empire you've built, but also how you got there. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, um, so my name is Jennifer Allwood. I teach women how to build a business in the online space. I teach them how to get a lot more followers and then how to monetize the followers they have. So I have about 2000 women in my coaching group every month. I have a half a million social media followers, mostly on Facebook. Um, even though I have most of my followers on Facebook, actually my new favorite platform is Instagram. Oh, <laughs> and that's, yeah. where I like to, uh, that's where I like to live right now and like the DMs and talking with people. But this started uh, 20 years ago in the year 2000 when I decided to start a decorative painting company. I had been um, in a day job that I really hated. And, and I talk about this a lot, Kelsey, as you know, in Fear is Not the Boss of You. It was um, a job that I felt like the responsible thing to do was to stay at because it paid well and there was a 401k match and they had a good PDO, you know, system. And it just, I kind of was raised to, to, um, you get a job, you get a job that really takes good care of you financially, and you eventually just retire from there and then you die. Like that's kind of how life works. And, <laughs> and it's not that even my parents like said those words to me, but for some reason, that's just how I kind of was conditioned, if that makes sense. And, um, and so I started, you know, uh, back to college in my mid twenties, ended up getting a degree when I was 30 in computer-based information systems. And right about the same time I was getting the degree, I had went to a home show with my husband here in Kansas city. And I don't know if you have those where you live, Kelsey, but they're basically like in a huge, you know, public arena, which of course we can't go to right now, but <laughs> they have, you know, people that are selling gutters and um, air conditioners and people that put new windows in your house. And there was this booth with people who had a decorative painting company. So it was teaching people how to paint their walls and cabinets and those sorts of things. And I was fascinated. I had actually bought my first home at age 21. So while all my friends were still out doing, you know, quarter shots, I was making a mortgage. <laughs> and 
<laughs> that's truth right there. And uh, and so I loved houses and I loved homes. And when I was getting my computer-based information systems degree um, diploma, I was really like internally struggling because I wanted to get a degree in decorating. And I was that was about the time you know that HGTV was really like just kind of getting off the ground. And I even talk in Fears Not the Boss to you about that one show called Trading Spaces in particular. Did you ever watch? Yes. That? Oh. So, I loved. Yes, I. Nuts. I, nuts. She like glued things to the walls. She yeah, was wild. She glued hay to the walls. She stapled flowers to the wall. She was just a hot, stinking mess. But I loved that show because I loved how they pushed the envelope. I loved how they tried different things. And since I purchased a home really early, I really had like this champagne taste with a Budweiser budget. And so I had to figure out. <laughs> why my home you know what I mean so we go to this home show and I meet these people who teach you you know how to make your house gorgeous and I'm like this is what I actually wish I had got my degree in but you know you know, can't actually get, get a degree in like painting bow finishing and so anyhow they had a weekend class so I was like let me go so I went to this weekend class and I came home and I told my husband honey I want to start a painting business and he was like well all righty then you know we didn't have like um, children at the time, we didn't have a lot of debt. And so I went to a weekend class, took my sister-in-law with me, came back from that and told my husband, I want to start this painting company. And I did. And I started it as a side hustle. And by the way, that's how a lot of great businesses start as a side hustle and um, did that for a year, like painted nights and weekends. My husband helped me and still was at the day job during the day until I got laid off from the day job, which was, you know, super fun. And, uh, I cried and boohooed about it for a couple of days and then dusted myself off and thought, okay, I'll still be applying for other computer jobs because that's what good responsible girls do. <laughs> I wonder what would happen if I like tried to see if I could make this painting company work. You know, maybe I could delay going back to a desk job and the pantyhose and the pager. And, and so I really started to focus on my painting business and instantly was connected with a couple of interior designers who got me in like million dollar plus houses right off the bat. And it was so cool. And I loved every second of it. And before I knew it, I had like a legit business. But then we got pregnant with our oldest son, Noah, right off the bat. And so then I was in this conundrum of, oh my gosh, now how do I keep the business afloat? but still stay home and full-time be mom because I wanted to do both. So I basically hired my sister-in-law to come paint for me. And she went out and worked every day in people's houses. And I stayed home and raised three kiddos, bing, 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 one after another. It seemed like that's all I did was I was in baby rearing for a while. Um, and that worked really well until about, oh, five or six years ago. And then I got <laughs> point because it always works until it doesn't right yeah that's I mean that's the best phrase it works until it doesn't <laughs> it does. and the thing is, is like it's kind of weird when you suddenly realize it's not working anymore and I was kind of internally struggling because the truth was it paid us very well for me to stay home um at the end of the painting career at one point I had like eight women painting in a house for me I stayed home and raised kids I went out into the houses we were painting in a couple times a week and checked on the women that were there I met with all the employee or all the new clients and that was great but so for all practical purposes most people would be you know satisfied with that we made a great income off that business but I wasn't I just was feeling like there's gotta be something more than this and I'm not making enough money and and then I would feel guilty about why do I want to make more money I shouldn't want to make more money I should be really happy with what we've got it so there was a lot of internal struggle there and the truth was I knew I wanted to get out of that company but it just didn't seem, you know, like it was going to be very easy to do. And so I really started figuring out, okay, how can I pivot 
into what I do in painting in people's houses locally in Kansas City and how could I maybe show them how they could do this painting in their own house, you know, whether they live in Cleveland or San Diego or, you know, Destin, where I'd really like to go right now in the middle of a pandemic. And um, and so I just love Dustin. And so we started making, I started making DIY painting videos and selling them online. And um, I had a decent Facebook following at the time, probably 20,000 followers. And there was a, not a lot of people using their Facebook business pages, Kelsey, like, you know, five to 10 years ago for business like they do today. Yeah. And so I just really started, you know, doing what I could on social media. And even though I'm completely an introvert, I figured out, gosh, I'm actually kind of good at social media. And I loved Facebook in particular. And so um, I kept just pressing on the gas. We started selling, you know, videos online, like hotcakes, like not the physical videos, but uh, just the videos that you would make. And I would upload a link to them. And that was really good. And so that went to a six figure business in about 14 months time. And I was like, holy smokes the online space is like the wild wild west like this is amazing and so I was like okay if I could do this I wonder what else I could do so then I did like a course like a six-week mentorship program teaching other painters and then I started getting all these people asking okay Whoa, 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 we understand that you grow painting businesses, but how are you getting 100,000 followers on Pinterest? How do you have 300,000 followers on Facebook? Like, what are you doing with your social media? And so I was like, okay, well, I guess I could teach you, you know, what I'm doing. And I was nervous about that because I really didn't see myself as a teacher. But I started this group four years ago in the online space. And I decided I would teach them how to grow their own social medias. And now we have over 2000 people in that group. I've had it for four years. You know, we've, we've went to a multi seven figure a year business in my coaching. I've closed down the painting business and just wrote a book called fear is not the boss of you. And that is where we are today. That was the longest answer ever. <laughs> well, I, I loved every part of your story and we have so much to talk about with fear, but fear is not the boss of you. I have loved it. But man, as you were talking, I, I saw so many parts of your story that ran parallel with mine. One is you started when you got laid off. And I think that's yeah. a great place to start because I think the unfortunate reality of where we're at right now today recording in April is a lot of people are either furloughed or laid off. What would you have to say to that person who a is scared? Like it's not like a lot of people are hiring right now. And then B like, how did you take that time and use it as an opportunity? Because I too started my first iteration of my online business after losing a job. And so it can be deeply painful. You're sitting there launching a business while you're also working through a ton of identity and imposter syndrome issues. Um, And so how did you utilize that time and what would your advice be for someone right now? Well, you and I know something to be true. Um, Both of us have seen that crisis can often catapult us into calling. So both of us had a moment of crisis where we were laid off and that completely like pivoted us into the thing that we were actually supposed to be doing. See, most of us are too scared to make the leap a lot of times. We're we're scared to like quit the thing that's really familiar. Um, It's really stable, you know, it's consistent. Um, And I talk in Fears Not the Boss about how I hated those pantyhose on that pager, but I just felt like, but this is what good responsible people do. 
do. They don't leave a really well-paying job with great benefits to go off on a pipe dream of painting houses. And so, you know, I think that it's really important to understand that sometimes God will make sure that we get pivoted into our calling uh, in ways yeah. that we can't control. And for me, that was getting laid off. For you, it sounds like maybe that was getting laid off also. And so the truth is there's a lot of us that are scared right now. You know, um, there's a lot of people that have been laid off. There's a lot of people that have been furloughed. There's also a lot of us who, uh, you know, sales are changing the way the world is changing. And so fear is really, really prevalent at the moment, which, you know, I was telling my book publisher the other day, I am so glad in the middle of a pandemic, I had no idea last year when I wrote this book that I was writing a book about fear, even though, you know, we had to cancel our 12 city book tour and, you know, the launch obviously has not gone like we would have planned for it to had yeah. it been normal, but thank goodness I didn't write like a book on like horseback riding, <laughs> for, you know, something like that. At least it's like a, a relevant topic because fear Absolutely. is so prevalent right now, but I would just encourage someone who feels like they are in crisis mode, lean into that, like go ahead and allow yourself to feel all the feelings because most of us right now are grieving in some way during this pandemic. And I think people have a hard time putting words to that. Like they know that their emotions are all over the place. They know that, you know, one day they're feeling hopeful and the next day they're feeling like, oh my gosh, we're going to heck in a handbasket. But I really think that people haven't acknowledged the fact that there is some grief that is associated with where the world is today. Because for most of us, life has changed dramatically. I, you know, had to grieve for a couple of days, the fact that I lost a book tour. I've also had to grieve the fact that my senior son is, um, has lost his prom. He's lost yeah. graduation. Like, you know, we're all losing at something at the moment. And so I think it's important to acknowledge that in the process of dealing with um, your emotions. And then also really getting to a place of acceptance where you're like, okay, but now what are we going to do? And now that, you know, we are where we are, whether it's laid off or furloughed or business looks different or, you know, everything's changing and you're suddenly homeschooling a kindergarten again, because that's what we're doing over here, Kelsey. Then uh, how do <laughs> you, you know, make the moat with where you are today? And so I know that there's a lot of people who are listening who they've had dreams in their heart for a long, long time about switching jobs anyway. And they've had a dream in their heart for starting their own business anyway. And they've had like a small side hustle that they've wanted to be the thing that was actually paying their family anyway. And man, take advantage of the time right now, because I was telling somebody the other day, right now, you can pretty much blame everything on coronavirus. Your hair looks bad, blame it on coronavirus. Your nails look bad, blame it on coronavirus. <laughs> you can't pay your rent, you blame it on coronavirus. You start a business and it maybe doesn't go exactly like you want it to. And, but at least now, you know, blame it on coronavirus. You know what I'm saying? So start something right now that you've been wanting to do anyway, knowing that everybody's scared. Everybody is especially scared of starting. And I talk in Fear is Not the Boss of You about how from, um, you know, a spiritual standpoint of why the start is so important, you know, Kelsey, that I'm a Christian woman and faith is hugely important to me. And so I do believe that, you know, there's um, a God in heaven who's so rooting for us um, to win. I also believe that there is the, you know, exact opposite of that and the enemy of our soul who would love for us to fail before we even get started, who would love to confuse women in the beginning so much that they don't even start, who would love to convince women that they can't actually have a business that pays any money. And so they never even get something off of the ground. But I'm really encouraging people, man, there are some wide open opportunities right now. I have so many women in my coaching group whose businesses are literally kicking butt right now because everybody is online. Everybody's yeah. 
you know, needing now a therapist online. They're wanting to order hair bows online. They're wanting somebody to teach them how to decorate countries online. They're wanting to know how to paint online. Like if you can make a pivot and you can either start or press on the gas right now, I'm really hopeful for those of us that have an online business. I am too. And I, I've seen an acceleration in yes. this season. And I mean, fear can definitely be gripping and, and, Similar to when I was laid off, you know, five years ago, last year, as many of my listeners know, but some might not, one algorithm crushed an income of $20,000 a month for me overnight that forced me to rebuild. And every pivot where my back's been up, up against the wall has led to an upgrade. And so it's scary, um, but I loved what you had to say about crisis catapulting us into calling. Yep. I believe and, that was everything in me. It's so painful in the fire, by the way. It, it is when you're so the- painful. It and, and it's interesting because for me, and, and I would love to hear more as you pivoted from your painting business to your coaching before that bandaid was ripped off last April. I, I really, I was like, it's such good money. Like I hate it. My body hurts every day from stress. I basically was answering to 50 clients running their accounts each week. And so I just was so stressed. I knew it was time for a pivot, um, but it kind of took something once again to make me pivot and it's painful, but it led to such a positive change in my life. And so what was it like as you started to ride the tension of we're making really good money, I've got these eight employees painting in a house for me. What was that pivot like? That pivot was really hard. I'm not going to lie. At the uh, you know at the end of my painting career, the company was making about $300,000 a year and I was working outside of the home about 10 hours a week. And so when you look at that, on paper, I'm like, who would give this up? That is insane. But I knew in my knower that it was also really a distraction. Like I couldn't be all in, in the online space because I still had to worry about ordering paint and, you know, going to clients' houses. And it just made me feel really like double-minded. And, you know, there's that person, James, this is a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And, and that was what was playing out in my life. And so I knew that I needed to shut down the painting business. I even remember um, when God told me to do that, I was out on what I call a wog, which is a walk jog when you're 48. <laughs> <laughs> a jogger. Now I'm a wogger. So I was out walking and was listening to my music and I felt like the Lord said, okay, Jennifer, it's time to close it down. And I was like, no. And it took me a year, Kelsey, before I finally had the courage to shut down the painting business because I wrestled with God. I'm like, gosh, it's just, it's a lot of money, Lord. And it's such easy money. And, um, but I do talk in fears, not the boss of you about how delayed obedience is disobedience. And I knew for a year that I was supposed to be shutting that thing down, but I was like, Oh, I don't know. When I eventually did shut down the painting company, it was about three or four months later that my coaching business, um, went to over seven figures in a year in just a matter of days. And so there really was such a great things on the other side of that obedience of shutting it down, even though it seemed, you know, like it was a, a silly thing to do. But the bottom line was that everything came back to fear for me because I was so nervous of if I let go of this, what if this other thing that I'm going to over here, you know, the, the painting, um, if I let go of the painting and go over here completely, the coaching, like, what if that doesn't work out? Then I'll have nothing to fall back on. And so that was where the fear for me was really coming from. But gosh, I look back now and I'm like, thank you, Lord, that I, that we did that. And so we haven't had the painting company in three years and I'm so, so grateful. 
Man, I'm I t- so so deeply resonate with delayed obedience as disobedience, and I could have had that fruitfulness and that joy and that quality of life back for me, you know, so much sooner if I would have been obedient. I mean, here we are; it all worked out, but it 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 probably caused me a lot more stress and pain and anxiety than it had to, and I could have willingly close something I knew it was time to close versus God just ripping the bandaid off and being like time to close (laughs) and so the way so often things go are you like willing to just have the pain over with and hard and just get it done quickly or we you know we have a five-year-old that we're in the process of adopting and um, the other day she had she literally had a bandaid on something and I'm like art because she was peeling it back so slow and I'm like honey it might just be better (laughs) to just rip it you're off because the slowness of that is like was almost hurting worse than just the fast pain would have been. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network, and now a message from a network supporter. Money. Sometimes it's hard to make it all add up. Thankfully, as part of your Microsoft 365 subscription, Money in Excel makes managing your finances a bit easier. Keep track of all your accounts in one place to help reach your financial goals. See how much you spent online last week. Set up a personalized budget. Get alerts about due payments and save for a rainy day as you stay on top of it all with Money in Excel. Buy now at Microsoft365.com slash budget. This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God is up to on the Radiant Podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their first 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend the first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotional, scripture, worship, and prayer. Grow closer to God this year. You can sign up to get the first 15 email devotional sent directly to your inbox at first15.org slash subscribe, or start your day off with the first 15 devotional podcast anywhere you listen. So, you know, you close your painting business, you stepped into coaching and you step into this space that now is constantly evolving. So I have so many places in your story I so relate to because you built your business on Facebook, which has since changed so much. And I built my business and taught on Instagram, which has now changed so much. And so what do you have to say to the person who's entered into this online landscape and realizes, oh, this is a fast changing environment. This is not a job or a business you create that stays the same for 30 years. This is staying on your feet and evolving with each new season. What has that been like for you? Because I found it to be challenging, but also kind of fun, but challenging, but fun, you know? You know, the way of doing business is is online for everybody. It's it's instead of having, you know, a storefront, you can just have a store in the online space. Instead of having a business card, you can have a podcast. I have a podcast, you have a podcast. Um, instead of having like a resume, you have a book. I mean, everything has shifted. And so I think that especially right now when we're in the middle of 
you know, all of the coronavirus things and everything shifted. I think that it's going to be more important now than ever before that people have an online presence. They just have to because people are shopping from home. They're on their phones more than ever before. I was uh, reading some stats and giving them over to my coaching clients the other day, like uh, online usage is up 40% since coronavirus wow. has hit. Since January, Facebook lives, because Facebook lives are really how I've built my business. Uh, Facebook live like watches are up 50% since January. So people are, they're on their phones more. I also think what's super important for you to realize is that people, um, they're really lonely right now. And even if you can't see people face-to-face, they feel like when they see you on an Instagram story or they see you on a Facebook live, they actually, they're watching you talk and they're seeing your eyes and your facial expressions. And it feels like a relationship, even though you can't see them back, if that makes sense. And so the people who, even if you hate social media, if you will get on and use it for your business and actually try to develop relationship there, you know, back in the day. And I, um, I talk about this sometimes in my coaching group and it makes people laugh, but, uh, I grew up in a really tiny small town in Iowa and I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. And in the small town that my grandparents lived in, there were two grocery stores, which was really wild considering the size of the town. But the way that they decided like where grandma got groceries was not like who has the prettiest front door or who has the best sales this week or who has the best prices on ground beef. The truth was grandma decided where we were getting groceries dependent on which business owner she liked better at that given time. And that's the truth. Like it didn't matter anything else in which business did she like. And so for people who are listening right now who are like, well, everybody's doing business online. And I know, but people will buy from people that they know, like, and trust. And if you can like kind of just change your thinking from, gosh, I don't like the online space, or I hate how social media changes so quickly, or just when I figure out Facebook, everything changes. If you'll change your thinking into, but it's still the best way to build a business today, even if you don't like it, (laughs) if you'll just wrap your head around that, um, it helps you to kind of like, just get yourself to a place of just accepting that social media just is what it is. It's going to change rapidly because the world is changing rapidly. Um, I know that my pastor always says, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. And <laughs> I love that. It's not in the Bible, but it feels like it should be. And so, you know, you just have to know that once you kind of figure out Facebook, that there's some things that are going to change. And, and, you know, I'm not trying to get people into my coaching group, but get into a group of some sort where people kind of keep you up to date on what the changes are. The, the thing is you can do business alone or you can do it with people and get from A to B so much quicker and learn what you need to learn so much faster. If you'll kind of go in a group, if that makes sense. I 100% agree. And I love that phrase. Blessed are the flexible because man, that is it. I mean, I have had to learn to adapt and adapt some more and it's good for me it's always I'm always up for a challenge so it's it's really interesting so what has fear looked like for you as you've been on your business journey I'm sure that looks like different in every season you go from just employing yourself to then oh wow I have these you know this team's paychecks to cover like what have all the nuances looked like that for you because I think that's pretty relatable to any person, whether they're just starting out or in the trenches of running their business. Yeah. So in Fear's Not the Boss View, I talk about um, how Jason and I, you know, we had um, some periods in our marriage that were consumed by fear different times when, you know, money was scarce and the kids were little and different times when I lost my job and then he lost my job. And so, you know, I do think that the fears that anybody's having today in their business, they always stem from other things that they've had go on in their life, which is, you know, it's like this, 
it set them up to for all the emotions that they have today, right? So I know it was um, it was scary to shut down the painting business. It was also scary when we decided two years ago to bring my husband home from corporate America for him to work full time in the business with me, because you know then we were basically saying we have no painting business to fall back on, we have no husband's business to fall back on. <laughs> now we are full, we're all in. Like we we're so yeah. and we can't see straight, and that's a really vulnerable feeling. It's also very vulnerable having people as employees and knowing that now not only am I responsible for feeding my household, but I feel a big responsibility to feed theirs as well. And by the way, that's pressure we put on ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so it feels big and it feels heavy at times. And also, I also feel really called to it. And so, you know, I think that even like me writing the book, that was scary for me. Um, I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you're somebody that loves Enneagram. I love it. Yeah. So basically an Enneagram three, when you write a book, it either has to be a bestseller or it's crap. I mean, there's no in between, you know, (laughs) there just isn't. And so there felt that felt pressury, that felt big, that felt weighty. Like, what do I want to write on the side of heaven? What do I want to leave the world with? And 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 then it was scary to go ahead and launch that in November, never having launched a book before, wondering how my audience would show up for it. And um, we hit number one bestseller on Amazon within six hours, which was amazing. And you know, so we were feeling really, really good at um, you know, here at Team Allwood about the launch of this book, and then the coronavirus hit. And so the coronavirus hit and we basically had a conference two weeks after you know kind of everything started to break and things started to change in America and and not things broke but you know news was breaking yeah. so conference it was called the equipped conference which was for women in faith and business and we had all these speakers flying in and we you know the event venue is all paid for and the music and everything is done and so we had to make a quick shift to completely pivoting that online that was scary we had to cancel the 12 city book tour for fears not the boss of you also scary we had to just hope that you know the book will still sell and and do all of the things and it has but it's been scary i mean yeah. uh, it has you it's hard to launch a book in the middle of a pandemic let me just say that Uh, Yeah, I just I'm just gonna stay. I'm like, hello, Captain Obvious. But you know, the book still hit number 15 right behind Carrie Underwood's book last week on the publisher's weekly list. So it's still done well. But the truth is, it's scary because you know, I want a second book deal. And, and, and the thing is, like with being an entrepreneur in business, you have to basically get used to the fact that you will be scared a lot. Yeah. And, but I do believe that fear is a muscle that we can train. And so the whole premise of fear is not the boss of you is basically just that, yes, you can feel it and you can acknowledge that this is scary. This feels hard. It feels big. I feel responsible. I'm nervous and all the things, but that you are not going to let that control you. That fear is not, even though it's there and it's present, it's not going to be the thing that stops you. You're going to look at it. You're going to acknowledge it. You're going to be like, dang, that sucks really sucks. I had to just cancel that book tour, but you're still going to go out and do the thing that you feel like God's calling you to do on the side of heaven in spite of your feelings. And I think that that's really important for most business owners to know there's going to be a lot of times that you're scared. And it's almost like God takes you to a certain level and you know, there's things there that are scary. And then you're like, okay, all right, we've got this, we've dealt with it. And then you kind of level up and then there's that's scary is is the truest statement I've heard all day. Seriously. What was I so worried about before? This new thing is like way scarier than that. And then you kind of figure out that 
and you get used to it and you get used to that level and then God up levels you again. I love that saying from Joyce Meyer, that new level, new devil. So at every level, there will be new things that feel big and hard and scary. And the important thing is just to not let that, the big, hard, scary things be the boss of you, to not let them control you. I love that. I love your heart behind the book. What would be your hope as people? I mean, I think the obvious would be that people move forward even if there's fear involved, but what would be your heart for this message as it reaches more and more people? I think we're going to have people who are listening and tuning in, go and grab their copy. Cause I think again, it's a, it's an incredible book. I'm really personally enjoying it and B it's really timely for this season. Well, I take people through an exercise in fear is not the boss of you, where I basically help them to figure out, okay, what is it that for you is more important to you than your fear. And I take them back to sixth grade algebra where we were like, okay, six is greater than four and a hundred is greater than 99. Remember that greater than sign? It looks like, you know, the algebra yeah. or whatever. Okay. So you've got to figure out if you've got fear on one side of the equation, what is more important to you than fear on the other side? And for every single person, it's going to look different. So I take them through my own, you know, um, algebra example in fear is not the boss of you. So number one for me is God's calling on my life. Like that always trumps to me, my feelings. And by the way, fear is a feeling. Fear is not always truth. It's a feeling. And so if God's asking me to do something, it's always so important for me to show up and do the thing he's asking me to do, even if I'm like shaking in my shoes. So that's number one for me. Number two is I have kids. Kelsey, I have a lot of kids (laughs) and they're watching me And, and a husband that, you know, I talked to in the book about how if you're a woman who is stuck, the book is written for three women, a woman who is stuck, overwhelmed, or terrified to make a change. And so if you're stuck, your spouse pays for it. Your kids pay for it. They know when mom's having that internal turmoil and she's not living a life free like she should be. And she's not doing what she really is supposed to be doing on the side of heaven. And she's not enjoying life. Like your family feels that. And also because, you know, of the business that I'm in and the business that you're in, I need to put food on the table. And so there's times when I'm like scared to launch a course. I'm scared to put the book out in the world. I'm scared to go talk about it. I'm scared to stand on the stage. I'm scared to launch a new podcast episode. But then I look at my family and I'm like, okay, but I've got to do it anyway. I mean, they're watching me and they, they need mom to like slay her own dragon so that they can slay their own someday. And, um, and third would be the community of people that are watching us. We all have an audience. And I think sometimes we forget that. And even if the audience may just be the girl next door who's watching you live your life or, you know, um, somebody at church when we eventually get to go back to a church building, which I hope is sooner rather than later, Or, you know, people that follow you on Facebook, if you have a business page, or even if you don't, there's people that are watching you live your life. And it's interesting because when they see you doing hard and scary things, it motivates them to do hard and scary things. It's like, you know, when I see a friend of mine who drops 20 pounds, it makes me go, gosh, dang it. Gosh, she looks good. (laughs) Wow, I need to do that. You know, And, and I look at her and I'm like, it's inspiring to see another woman do the things that need to be done. And, and then it makes me go, okay, I've got to really slide back from the mashed potatoes and the corn here. I mean, it's making me feel better for, you know, momentarily, but I do not need another bowl of ice cream tonight. Um, you know, and so I think that it's important we remember that we have a community of people who are watching us also. And I personally feel a responsibility to the community of women that I've got online, to the community of women that I'm coaching, to show up and do the hard and scary things, even though I'm hard, it's hard and scary, to do them afraid because people are watching and they need me to. Oh, that is so good. I, I seriously, 
have enjoyed this conversation so much. And again, uh, I'm really excited for our listeners to hear because I think we are not promised a life without fear, especially if we're doing anything of impact, like it's just going to come. But I feel like these are very practical ways to move through that fear, to face it, to really up level to the next uh, growth opportunity because another level of fear is going to come. And so I could talk about this all day long. I can't recommend your book highly enough, like 10 out of 10 recommend it. And where can everyone find you and grab a copy? Yeah. So if they want to connect on social media, find me on Instagram, um, send me a DM. It's my favorite place right now. I've got way more followers on Facebook, but for the last year. So I just love meeting people in my DMs, especially on Instagram. So do that. They can find fears, not the boss of you, any place books are sold. So it is, um, on Amazon, of course, um, it's on Barnes and Noble. They can find it at target online. They can find it at Walmart online. Eventually we're hoping all bookstores are open back up and the book will be there. But if they have, a book study or a book club that they'd like to recommend it for or a church group or something like that, I would suggest they go to jenniferallwood.com slash book or they need to go to fearsnotthebossofyou.com. But we do have some like special deals for people ordering 10 copies or more. So um, so go there if they want to place like a bulk order of any kind for a book study. Love it. Well, thank you for joining me today. We'll definitely have to have you back on. And until next time. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. With the holidays just around the corner, Macy's makes it easy to get your online orders fast with contact-free curbside pickup or pickup inside the store. Need it now? Try same-day delivery powered by DoorDash, available in select locations. Plus, shop early and late with extended store hours right up to the last minute. And don't forget, if you're getting your purchases delivered by mail, make sure you place your order by December 18th on Macy's.com. Some exclusions apply. Pickup and same-day delivery valid for most in-stock items at select stores only. Save your most important documents and photos in the cloud. A Microsoft 365 subscription gives you a full terabyte of secure OneDrive storage, plus an added layer of protection with OneDrive Personal Vault. Buy now at Microsoft365.com slash photos.